Hey everybody and welcome to the 5 Bytes Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Monahan. Coming up on this week's episode, Microsoft discloses how hackers breached executive email accounts. Also, reports of recent Jenkins vulnerabilities being exploited in attacks, and Microsoft have released the first preview version of Server 2025. For this and more, keep listening to this episode of the podcast, which as always is brought to you by my sponsors. And that includes ControlUp, end-to-end digital experience management for the work from anywhere era. ControlUp, happy users, happy IT. And also brought to you by Networks Policy Pack, where you use Group Policy, Policy Pack Cloud, or MDM to remove local admin rights, manage and lockdown applications, Java, browsers, and mitigate ransomware, plus more. And of course, also brought to you by Numescent, the inventors of the first and only cloud-native container management platform for Windows desktops. If you enjoy the show each week, you have these awesome sponsors to thank. And now for some news. Microsoft have revealed more details on how some of its executive email accounts were compromised. They stated a legacy non-production account was accessed by attackers using spraying and brute force methods. Microsoft confirmed this account did not have MFA enabled, and it also had associations with the service that had elevated privileges, allowing the group to launch a lateral attack and compromise other accounts. The company identified the malicious activity by retrieving traces in exchange web services logs, combined with known tactics and procedures used by Russian state-sponsored hacking groups. Microsoft has also stated its research indicates other organizations have also been breached by this attack campaign. One such company who has confirmed their own breach is HPE, so it seems this story has legs and is likely to continue over the coming weeks and months as more information gets publicly disclosed by these other victims. Last week's reports suggested the cyber gang was looking for information about itself but perhaps the fact they hit several other targets, it may indicate that they were after more too. I guess we'll have to see what these other victims have to say about their own breaches. The CEO of HP, Enrique Lores, recently discussed the company's controversial dynamic security software that infamously has been bricking people's printers when they use a non-HP ink cartridge. According to Futurism.com, He suggested attackers could use dodgy ink cartridges to deliver viruses which could infect printers and then spread over their network. InfoSec experts have cast dispersions on this claim, though the article suggests HP's own lab has proven it is possible, but such an attack would most likely be very targeted and likely nation-state-backed. In what feels like burying the lead, in the same discussion, Laura stated, quote, Our long-term objective is to make printing a subscription, which seems like a clear and obvious reason further strategy of forcing everyone to use genuine ink cartridges from HP rather than allowing like refilling cartridges or using non-genuine parts. In my opinion, it seems a little disingenuous, but that's just me. That's what I think. It's been a rough few days for Microsoft Teams and Teams users as the service has had widespread outages twice in a three-day period, with the first affecting at least users in North America, Europe, and North Africa, and that one being chalked up to an undiagnosed network issue that caused a portion of the database infrastructure used by multiple APIs to have issues. 
The first outage lasted a whopping 12 hours, and even after it was marked as resolved, some reported continued delays sending and receiving messages. Hopefully this one gets resolved and stays resolved going forward because it is quite disruptive to lose your main means of communication in the middle of your workday. A Windows Server 2025 preview build is now available. It introduces hot patching, next generation Active Directory, and SMB over a quick or QIC alternative ports that enables Windows administrators to switch from using the default SMB over quick HUDP443 port to a port that they choose. Microsoft have also introduced a feature that admins can enable to automatically install the latest preview versions if they wish. So if you want to keep installing and up to date on preview versions, you can enable the feature. Also, the desktop experience is getting the same email and accounts experience as Windows 11, increased coverage for Bluetooth devices, and the Wi-Fi wireless LAN service enabled by default for Edge scenarios. Uh, that'll be interesting. I wonder if this will lead to maybe more improvements around the experience when using server OS for shared desktops. I assume not. I think they've kind of put their stake in the ground and they're going one way with that, which is you know, get onto multi-session OS versions of the desktop OS rather than the server. But it would be a nice surprise if they do uh, go back to allowing you to use server OS and have it pretty similar to the desktop experience. Interestingly, Andreas Nick shared that the AppV client is in the operating system, but there is a warning when you try to enable it via PowerShell. It says, warning, note, Application virtualization AppV will reach end of life April 2026. After that time, the AppV client will be excluded from new versions of the Windows operating system. See aka.ms slash AppV deprecation for more information. Uh, but when you go to the deprecation site that was listed, it just goes to the MDOP support extension page uh, and has the old product lifecycle that shows end of extended support and end of mainstream support and all that, which indicates that it's going to not be supported from 2026. So we continue to go around in circles on this one. I guess maybe use at your own risk, which I guess would also go for any end of life product. I mean, you could feasibly continue to still run end-of-life products if they successfully install or continue to run on the OS. thought that was very interesting. Andreas is great to follow on Twitter just for a lot of general content, not just AppV, uh, but he seems to keep on top of the AppV end-of-life deprecation saga that's been ongoing for years. So uh, if you're not following Andreas, uh, follow him on Twitter. Energy company Schneider Electric has been hit by a ransomware attack, according to a report by SiliconRepublic.com. Schneider Electric reported their sustainability division is the one that has been hit, and the company said the incident had no impact on any other entity of Schneider Electric. They've stated they immediately mobilized to contain the incident and to reinforce existing security measures. The matter is under investigation, and they have vowed to share more information in the future as it becomes available. If you use Jenkins, you'll want to hear this next story. There are multiple vulnerabilities that have public exploits in Jenkins, including CVE-2024-23897, which allows unauthenticated attackers 
with overall read permission to read data from arbitrary files on the Jenkins server. Some are reporting the vulnerabilities are already being exploited too, so you do want to patch as soon as possible. And this is hugely concerning as there are about 45,000 Jenkins instances exposed online. The first flaw stems from the default behavior of the ARCS4J command parser in Jenkins, which reportedly expands automatically files contents into command arguments when an argument starts with the at character, allowing unauthorized reading of arbitrary files on the Jenkins controller file system. And at a minimum, at least some lines in a file can be read by attackers using the exploited, if not the entire file. BleepyComputer.com reports the second flaw tracked to CVE-2024-23898 is a cross-site WebSocket hijacking issue where attackers could execute arbitrary CLI commands by tricking a user into clicking a malicious link. The risk arising from this bug should be mitigated by existing protective policies in web browsers, but are persists due to the lack of universal enforcement of these policies. Jenkins have released fixes for the two flaws with versions 2.442 and LTS version 2.426.3. And they also published an advisory that shares various attack scenarios and exploitation pathways, as well as a fixed description and possible workarounds for anyone who is unable to apply the security fixes. So don't sleep on this. Uh, Jenkins is very widely used. As stated, there's 45,000 instances online right now. So if you use it, patch. In some positive security-related news for once, the number of ransomware victims paying ransom demands has dropped to a record low of 29% in the final quarter of 2023, according to ransomware negotiation firm Coveware. BleepyComputer.com reports that this trend started around 2021 and it does seem to be continuing. So hopefully this is a disincentive for at least some cyber gangs as attacks will become less lucrative. Master Packager have released a new version of Master Packager Dev, which is version 1.0.8 and it brings with it WinGet support. Also included are the ability to detect missing prerequisites before installation, install missing prerequisites before installation, close running apps during installation, and also a very useful feature, which is to detect and display a warning if you're building an installer with VBS files, which obviously VBS is becoming deprecated. Uh, so more great work. So if you want a programmatic way, if you're maybe a developer, uh, to generate and create your MSIX packages. Uh, this is definitely worth checking out and the features keep on coming to Master Packager. So great work by their developers. Parallels have announced Parallels DAS. It allows you to consume desktops and applications as a service and integrates with Azure Entry ID. According to the announcement blog post, they operate a bring your own Azure subscription model. So it appears the user load will live in Azure. It does not appear to have an AWS or GCP option at this time, at least going off of the announcement blog post. Uh, but it would be interesting to see if they at least bring AWS support in the future, as they do currently support running RAS on AWS, which is their on-prem offering, but running up in AWS. 
Uh, but hey, maybe they will not because Microsoft did change their partnership model and it's much more incentivized to drive Azure consumption in order to maintain a partnership with Microsoft. So perhaps that will skew vendors like uh, Parallels towards pushing customers predominantly to Azure. But hey, another option for those looking for a DAS platform. RuneCast have announced that they are set to be acquired by Dynatrace. RuneCast is a leading provider of AI-powered security and compliance solutions. They say this strategic move represents a significant milestone in RuneCast's journey to deliver real-time automated and actionable insights for security compliance, vulnerability assessment, and configuration management in hybrid and multi-cloud environments. By becoming part of Dynatrace, RuneCast will contribute its expertise in delivering automated real-time vulnerability assessments, security compliance checks, and configuration drift management capabilities for hybrid and multi-cloud environments, amongst many other features and benefits. So it'll be interesting because, from what I remember, uh, Dynatrace is kind of a monitoring platform, but it's more around the synthetic testing and um, the multiple beacons or probes method of delivering data. Um, but I would say for all vendors in that monitoring or DEX space, um, having AI capabilities to promote and market is going to be a big differentiator going forward. So this seems like a smart choice for an acquisition by Dynatrace. Google continues to get rolled for their apathy when it comes to obvious scams being amplified by them on Google Ads. This has led to Nandina Jami starting a campaign to get people to email the vice president of global ads at Google, Dan Taylor, and she's provided a template for everyone to use uh, to possibly bombard him with emails expressing concerns at their continued practice of seemingly not stopping a lot of these scam ads. It seems crazy to me that Google, who are under such threat to their service already, are seemingly ignoring a major problem with their ad service, but maybe it's an indication that they're valuing the quick cash grab of uh, continuing to allow these ads that are likely making money because people are falling for them and they're being amplified on uh, high search key phrases and terms. But it's just a really, really bad look for Google in my opinion. But that's it for the news. Let's get on to the scripts, tricks, and tips. First up, my buddy Trenton Ty did a great thread on Twitter. <laughs> he did a thread, an actual term. Well, anyways, I'm going with it. Trenton did a thread on Twitter, RX, about NVIDIA and the fact that they're allowing consumer GPUs to pass through to virtual machines. And he goes through looking at what he experienced when he installed a GPU and enabled pass-through in ES6i, then created a VM and added devices, basically going through what you see within the operating system to indicate that the drivers are there, that the NVIDIA control panel is there, and more. Uh, I won't give away all of the information in his thread. I just suggest you check it out for yourself to see what his experience and performance was like. Thomas Coatsing on Twitter shared a tip for those who are patching Netscalers, which uh, should be everyone uh, with the recent vulnerabilities disclosed and the recent guidance by the US CISA. But Thomas says, if you think that your firmware upgrade is complete, you need to maybe stop and make sure that you've done everything correctly. And he shares a link 
which I will share with this episode with a useful list of what you should go over to make sure that you're fully protected or as protected as you can be, I guess. Lastly, thanks to Andy and his great security minute video on Twitter or X where he goes through what is a password spraying attack. And I think it's pretty timely uh, considering this is one of the methods that was used by the gang who breached Microsoft's leadership's email accounts and also accounts used in other firms as well. So good to know what these terms mean. And this security minute video, I believe, is out every week. So might want to follow on Twitter. So apologies for the short episode and for the fact that it's coming out a little bit earlier than usual. I am traveling this week and uh, I also feel like I'm losing my voice. So I figured, hey, I'm jet lagged, eight hour time difference that I have to try and adjust to. And I think I'm on the verge of getting sick. Now is probably the best time to work on this episode because I may not be able to later in the week uh, with travel and possible illness. So I hope you appreciate it. (laughs) Episodes getting out regardless of how I feel. But that's it for this episode. Thank you all so much for listening.